0: Did you know that Father's Day wasn't made a holiday until 1966? LBJ made a presidential proclamation decreeing that the third Sunday in June was to be observed as Father's Day, a day to honor dads. But y'all know he probably did this while sitting on a toilet. But don't dads love potty humor? Welcome to the the lore of the South. Hey y'all, welcome back to Lore of the South with me, Kelly Cruz. So in episode 18, I kind of jumped the gun on saying Happy Father's Day. For some reason, I had it in my head that it was on, the Father's Day was on the second Sunday, like Mother's Day is. Oh well, Happy Father's Day again. That Did You Know segment was for you dads out there. Enjoy your day. This episode was suggested to me by an old high school buddy, Brandon Robinson, but forever known to me as Ralph. I have a habit of nicknaming people. My dad did it too. Must be a family trait. But I digress. Back to Ralph in today's topic. He called me a while back and was like, have you ever heard of my great uncle Leland Woolard?" Well, no, I hadn't. He goes on then to describe how his uncle was a navigator on a bomber during World War II. Family lore tells that he survived a crash landing behind enemy lines, was rescued by a resistance group, and helped liberate a concentration camp before being transported back to the United States. I was unable to find anything to confirm these tales other than the name of the ship he came home on that also happened to be transporting Holocaust survivors back to the U.S. So maybe this story holds up. If I find out more, I'll be sure to share it. Now this next story he hit me with about dear old Uncle Leland was something I was able to easily verify. How many of y'all have heard of the Tybee Island bomb? Welcome to episode 19, Bombs Away. On February 5th, 1958, the crew of a B-47 with a call sign, Ivory 2. They were to tell a fellow bomber known as Ivory 1 set on maneuvers that had a very dramatic ending. The B-47 was one of the newest and most technically advanced craft of its time. Boeing borrowed heavily from Nazi tech when designing it. It was manned by Colonel Howard Richardson, pilot, his co-pilot, First Lieutenant Bob Lagerstrom, and radar navigator Captain Leland Woolard. The trio and their cargo of a 7,600-pound Mark 15 nuclear bomb set out from MacDill Air Force Base. They were under orders to participate in a simulation that involved a supposed nuclear attack on the Soviet Union. Okay, and side note here, I'm kind of like George W. I will say nuclear sometimes and not nuclear, so please excuse my accent when I mispronounce the word nuclear over and over again. The simulation was supposed to represent the B-47 and her crew flying from Alaska into Russia and then dropping their 1.6 megaton hydrogen bomb and vaporizing a Soviet target. Since they couldn't actually perform those exact maneuvers, they flew their war games over a total of five states with a live hydrogen bomb. Though some reports say it did not have its plutonium core. In fact, Colonel Richardson signed a receipt of sorts proclaiming that the bomb had had it removed. Though a bomb of this magnitude, even without its plutonium core, could do some hellacious and widespread damage. The two bombers completed their mission and turned to head back to their home base in Florida. Meanwhile, at an Air National Guard base in Charleston, they were readying three F-86 Sabres to intercept the bombers as part of the simulation. All three fighters were fully armed. One of the Sabres was piloted by 1st Lieutenant Clarence Stewart. The three fighters closed in on Ivory 1. Ivory 2 was about a mile behind. In-flight radar and ground radar failed to pick up its location, and at about 35,000 feet, 1st Lieutenant Stewart in his F-86 collided with the trio in the Ivory 2. The Sabres' wings were both sheared off and Stewart fired his ejector seat. He fell from such a high altitude it took more than 22 minutes for him to hit the ground. He suffered pretty severe frostbite on his fingers and hands. He landed in a swamp on the South Carolina side of the Savannah River. Stewart was able to deploy a life raft to use as a shelter, and it was noted in one of the articles that I read that luckily this happened in February and it was too cold for the gators to take an interest in the 1st Lieutenant. He tried to fire his flare gun, but his frozen hands couldn't work the cartridge and gun correctly. It discharged, and he nearly set his feet ablaze. But the crack of the gun was enough to draw the attention of a ranger and his hound dog, who tracked Stewart and doctored his wounds, reportedly with the aid of some moonshine. The 1st Lieutenant spent five weeks in an Air Force hospital, He went on to make a full recovery and to fly over 100 combat missions in Vietnam. He was awarded the Silver Star and retired from the Air Force in 1977 at the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. As for his F-86, it landed or crashed fairly intact in spite of its mid-air collision and 35,000-foot descent into a farm field 10 miles outside of Sylvania, Georgia which was also about 60 miles or so from where Stewart landed in the swamp. Meanwhile, on the Ivory Two, Colonel Richardson had some serious decisions to make. The impact with the saber had severely damaged the bomber's right wing and had left one of its engines dangling. It looked like they were in for a crash landing. They definitely couldn't make it back to MacDill. Contact was made with nearby Hunter Air Force Base in Savannah. They were then informed that the main runway was under repair and they were definitely looking at a crash landing scenario. But how does one safely crash land a plane with a nuclear weapon aboard? You don't, is the answer. More snap decisions were required. After conferring with ground, The decision was made to jettison the Mark 15, the 7,600-pound hydrogen bomb, over the Wausau Sound, just off the coast of Tybee Island, Georgia. The Ivory II dropped its explosive cargo at 2 a.m. on February 5, 1958, from the height of 7,200 feet into waters with a depth of around 40 feet. No explosion was reported. The bomber made a successful landing at Hunter Air Force Base in spite of the damaged runway. Colonel Richardson was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross for his handling of the near-tragic event. The Navy searched for the Mark 15 hydrogen bomb for more than two months before declaring it irretrievably lost. It was decided in a 2001 report that disturbing the bomb in its underwater resting place was more of a risk than letting sleeping bombs lie. Quote, Intact explosive would pose a serious explosion hazard to personnel and the environment if disturbed in a recovery attempt So let us all hope that the Tybee Island bomb lays undisturbed in her watery resting place Side note There were several more random facts. I'd like to share with y'all about this near disaster the air forces Explosive Ordnance Disposal Squadron along with the Navy used both sonar and different types of bottom-sweeping techniques in hopes of locating the bomb, though they never did. It's thought that the nuke is entombed in about 15 feet of silt. Though they never found their missing bomb, they did find quite a few unexploded cannonballs and mortars left over from the Civil War. There were and are still tons of tall tales surrounding the incident. Everything from a Soviet submarine spotted in Georgia waters hoping to capture the American H-bomb to a local shrimp trawler snagging the Mark 15 with its nets. You can always find my sources in the show notes every episode. Thanks to my buddy Ralph for his show suggestion and with his help with all the research. Hope I did the story justice. Look for some social media and Instagram. Always share pics that pertain with each episode. Just search for Laura of the South. We need your reviews, pretty please, or sugar on top, as my daddy used to say. It will help the show get to more ears. If you want to get in contact with me or have show suggestions, you can email me at laurathesouth at gmail.com. And thank you to The Hubs, a.k.a. Producer Mike, for his end of this podcast. If we ever launch a Patreon, I'm sure a blooper reel will be one of the perks. He saves each and every one of my curse words and stutters. Anyways, to all the dads out there, um, happy Father's Day. Enjoy your day, especially you, babe. We love you. And we'll talk to you all next time on Lord of the South.